Kevin. Hey, Mike. Ready for, to start season two? I'm ready. It, okay. Nice what, what's break. on the agenda today, man? Well, um, I I did um, uh, an article this last week for Arts Atlanta, which is the Atlanta community's arts publication. It's um, associated with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and typically our articles that are published on Arts Atlanta are also then subsequently published by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So we get a little decent exposure for, for some of our uh, finer jazz musicians around Atlanta. Uh, those are the articles that I write. I try to profile some of these people. But I talked with a friend of yours this last week and did a piece on Mr. Sam Skelton. Oh, wow. Uh, Sam Skelton. What a human being, one of a kind, great world-class musician and uh, amazing educator. If uh, anyone has heard anything from TBS, whether it's CNN or even Cartoon Network, uh, and there's a saxophone, it's a good chance it's Sam playing. Yeah, uh, what, one of the things that we talked about, and I know that this is, and first of all, I know that the two of you have been uh, playing together for for decades, uh, in the, I in met the, him. I school. met him uh, in high school. Yeah, um, he, he he's from Conyers, Rockdale County. I think he went to Heritage High School. I was in DeKalb County, but you know, we met at various um, DeKalb County and statewide music events for uh, for you know high school kids. I was a senior. I believe he was a junior. Yeah. But and uh, even very intimidating, even then, in terms of his musicianship. <laughs> You know, uh, one of the things that we talked about, and I thought we might talk about this today, is, uh, in fact, I'm going to read you a little quote from him. Uh, The way I put it is, I put it, if you want to play jazz, study classical music first. And uh, a a quote from Sam uh, from the article is, he says, a classical education is an absolute must because you have to know every aspect of the instrument. You get all your dexterity from that, a solid foundation of the nuts and bolts of saxophone playing, and you can go everywhere from there. Adolf Sax wanted it to be a classical instrument. I still practice the tangible literature every day and have recitals coming up. Uh, And so I know that your background as well is with classical uh, music. And so I thought we might. Well, I'm pretty sure that. the saxophone was invented before the word jazz was even used. <laughs> he was trying. Well, I understand Sam would be the expert, but the saxophone, Adolf Sax was trying to create an easier clarinet. And this was the era of like um, John Philip Sousa, who famously did not like the trumpet and later did not like jazz at all. But. I don't know what the difference would have been in 1900 between classical and other music study uh, that I'm not familiar with, but I, yeah, I, I played all classical before I discovered jazz and fell in love with it around the age of 20 and, and made my switch from classical to jazz. And I agree. Everyone's got to learn to play their instrument. I don't, I don't know if I would say that you have to study classical first. In fact, I, I, as I've gotten older as a teacher, I feel stronger and stronger to teach music, not a particular style. Music is music, and you need to know how to play your instrument. 
thoroughly, whether you're playing classical or jazz. In fact, I'm, as a pianist, it makes a big point to me that improvisation used to be a major part of learning classical music. And that has kind of left that area. And and if you if you put improvisation back into so-called classical instruction, and keep in mind we're using the word classical, right? So we're we're not talking about recent time, we're talking about the something grounded in a tradition of, of music study. Um, improvisation was almost a prerequisite to studying music at earlier time. For, for I'm gonna I'm gonna guess for the following reasons. Uh, for, first of all, one of the the things that are inherent in improvisation isn't just being able to sit down and make up things, but it's that in order to do that, you have to understand the structure of the things that you're playing, the shapes and the forms, and not just the mechanical movements. You know, you're not just learning by rote, but you're learning to play these things. And if, if go back to 1700s, 1803, dawn of the piano, etc. We didn't have music publishing. It's not like you're going to sign up for piano lessons and the piano teacher says, okay, I want you to go get the book of hand and studies and then first pieces of Bach to study with or, you know, beginner Mozart's book. They just didn't exist. And it's not like we had a huge amount of, you know, like mead paper and Bic writing pens. You know, I, I remember seeing, you know, black and white movies from America, you know, where the kids at their desk had an ink pot built into the desk. You know, they're using, you know, ink pens and, you know, it's all messy. And the, the, the six-year-old boy would grab the girl's pigtails and stick them in the ink pot, that kind of stuff. You know, if, if we're just thinking about that, it's way easier to teach a student how to remember what they're playing, memorize it as you're teaching it to them than it is to say, read it off this page and recreate it over and over. Mm-hmm. There, there's this great book by, it's a famous book by Abby Whiteside. She's a famous piano teacher from uh, early 1900s. Um, she, she's not a great writer of prose, but the, the books are useful. In fact, the book has a horrible tire, title. It's called On Mastering the Chopin Etudes and Other um, other something. Um, it's a very dry book, but she's got a chapter in there where she talks about at length how sh- she would teach a beginning student how to play the Bach C major prelude um, for the well-tempered clavier. And she talks in that book about, you know, teaching the shapes and the harmony and how rather than have them read it from the page, you're teaching how all the structures work. And, and to me, that that's the kind of one of the primary skills that we now teach in jazz and sometimes are not being taught in classical, you know, and to me, it's all music, which is an easy thing to say, but I I feel like to be a better classical player, you need jazz as well. I'm using jazz, lowercase letters. I don't mean the full concept of jazz because defining jazz is a somewhat beyond difficult thing to do. I mean, there've been books written about it where rather than define it, they just ask a whole bunch of different people what jazz means to them. 
The famous one would be Jazz Is by Nat Hentoff, where he just asks famous people, each of them, what their definition is. Or Louis Armstrong saying, um, I, I can't tell you what jazz is, but I know it when I hear it, that, those types of things. So th- to, me, to me, the thing that makes jazz different from other idioms of music is not specifically the harmonies that are used or the fact that you improvise, but it's the idea that a group of people working as equals can compose a piece in real time and that that is fine art, mm-hmm. the democracy of it. Yeah. To me, that's what makes jazz a radical type of thing. Let me ask you uh, a question uh, relative to the, the, the studying classical music. Um, what's required to play classical music will, will help you develop your chops to the point that you're, you're more versatile, I guess, or you're more capable. What, no matter what kind of music you wind up going to from there. I don't know how you learn to play jazz without learning chopped. I mean, either, either the key goes down at the right time yeah. or it doesn't. <clears throat> I do think like the body of literature that is in classical music is unbelievably useful because there's so much of it. Like on the piano in particular, which is an older instrument than the saxophone, Um, you know, we have a whole bunch of different series of etudes written by famous composers that you can follow through, work your way through those. So there is our programs of study in the classical literature. They're they're great for us. And all the great musicians that I know have played classical. But I I guess I wouldn't say that if you if you master classical now, you're prepared to play jazz necessarily because I find that a lot of my students who come with me from a classical background, the big obstacle they have is not technique. It's that they only know how to play by rote. Mm-hmm. They don't even know it's by rote. They just memorize the order of it. You know, Mike, I had a, a fat, for me, it was a fascinating experience. And it's very personal. And I have no idea how it would apply to anyone else, but um, I did all classical. I did three years of, I was a classical major for three years at Georgia State. I, I Turning 20, I fall in love with jazz. I, I switched to an all jazz school, well, almost all jazz school. Um, I'm down there studying for like three years, working, you know, eight, 12 hours a day on learning how to play jazz. And I come home to visit my mom for Thanksgiving and she sold the house. She's getting ready to move. It's going to be my last Thanksgiving in my childhood home. And of course... <coughs> She's getting rid of everything. And she wants me to go through all my stuff and decide why I keep, why I want to keep and why I don't, you know. She wants me to get rid of all of it, of course, or most of it. And I am I sit down with my old classical books. I open up this, this book of Beethoven sonatas, the first one, number one, which is an F minor. And I look down the page and I could vividly remember what it looked like when I used to perform it in my head. And now when I looked at it, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> a whole That's new a secondary dom- This is a secondary dominant. This is a theme and variations <laughs> that he's doing specifically this way. And even without have ever practiced it, I could play it in another key looking at it. Not because of my hearing specifically or any innate talent, 
but because I understood how the piece worked. Mm-hmm. And it was astonishing to me. It's like, it's like it was in black and white before, and now I was in like color and 3D. You know, it just blew my mind how much easier it was to play it. You, you know, we have we have processes in classical teaching that we do to help people with memorizing. You know, a, a sonata is broken up into um, really two parts, but people give those parts three names. There's the the exposition, that's the beginning, the the middle development, and the recapitulation, which is a kind of an ending version of the of the beginning. And uh, like, if you can play the piece and if you get lost, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, that's, you only know it by rote. So we teach people to practice the piece at all the different starting points and try, try to know all the things so that there's less rote involved. Versus a jazz person, when you like, I'm saying jazz again, lowercase letters. I don't, I don't mean to include anything in that word specifically, but the way I learn songs now, if you ask me what happens in bars, like, you know, the end of the second phrase, I just know it straight out and the key doesn't really matter as much. So I I feel like a certain study of music requires a much more in-depth thing. I think that they used to teach that in classical and now it's gone. I might be going on a wild tangent here. I know I'm, I'm talking a lot, but this is an issue I really care about, Mike, because my whole life, I felt like, my whole life as a teacher, that I've wanted there not to be a separation between classical and jazz. Part of this is because of the discrimination that jazz gets as being an inferior music. I've had students of mine who wanted to stay jazz with me who've had their classical teacher drop them. Not because they were staying with another teacher, but because they wanted to study jazz. And when I say I've had, I mean more than I could count. And we've talked a little bit. I think one of our episodes is about when jazz and classical collide. I I think jazz often gets relegated to an area where people think of it as being talented. Like you have ears and the music just comes out of you and they don't recognize the level of craft that's inherent in it. You know, um, when I was doing my graduate degree at Florida State University, we had the the magnificent pianist Andre Watts show up to do a master class at the school. Florida State University is unusual because it's a college of music instead of a depart- department of music in like the College of Arts and Sciences. It's the entire college is music. So it's a very large college of music. And each 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 you know department might have its own chair. So it, it's a huge deal. So we're in this large auditorium, and there's a ton of people there. They hear Andre Watts, the great classical pianist, who we lost recently. Um, he's there to do a master class, and basically he's on stage. And um, pretty impressive. He did like six hours of this. Hmm. Three hours, go to lunch, come back, do another three hours. And during those three hours, each student would get 30 minutes to come up and play a piece for him. And Mr. Watts would work with them. And the first thing you know is right away, first of all, the students aren't bringing, they aren't bringing up music that they read. They, they memorize their pieces. But also, um, Andre Watts knew every piece. They didn't, like, give him a list either. They would show up on stage and they'd say, well, are you going to play? He says, okay, yes, I know that one. Let's go. But there was this moment um, towards the end of the first session. I wish I remember what the name of the piece was. 
but um, the pianist starts to play her piece. And after only a few measures, he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Play it more like this. And he leans over her with his hands to execute the same measures that she plays, right? But he's in a different key. And right away <laughs> he stops and he says to her, hold, hold on, what key were you in? And she tells him, he says, ah, that's right. And then he starts playing in that key. Now, the room is probably 95% classical teachers and students. But the room erupts. Hold on, hold on, Mr. Watch, you have to explain that. Did you learn that piece? Did you learn that piece in a different key? He, you know, what, what? he says, no. And so then he explained how he learns pieces. Now, I'm sitting there with a couple of other jazz students. Um, and we knew, all knew exactly what he was talking about. I'm not comparing my level of, of skill in being remotely in the same stadium as Andre Watts, but I understood what he was talking about. And it was the same skills that we learned as jazz musicians, right. which is really understanding the song. And, you know, I guess most of what I'm saying here is this is, this is separate from technique. You've got to learn, you have to learn how to play your, your instrument technically, but this other stuff is just important regardless of the genre of music. Right. Every one of these great mentors I've met and worked with, they all knew classical music really, really well. Hmm. We're including Charlie Parker. They've not my mentor, but famous people, right? You know, I mean, there's recordings of Charlie Parker soloing and quoting the Rite of Spring. <laughs> you know, quite famously, when he was playing in Los Angeles and Stravinsky was, was out there trying to write film scores, um, he went to Stravinsky's house <laughs> and tried to get a meeting with him. Huh. Stravinsky went to see him. <laughs> you know, thought he was, you know, I, I mean, Parker was possibly high. You know, yeah. he probably thought he was just some street guy, but um, banging on the door. <laughs> you, 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 you know, I, I think I, the lesson I would want to leave is that I, I think the creation and performance of music is the same regard, regardless of genre. And um, classical's role that's great for us is that it has a long tradition of attempts to solve technical issues and it's a great resource for us.